0: This is the Future Talent Podcast, a future-focused podcast series showing the channels that enterprise can engage today to empower their current employees and future-proof the talent pipeline of tomorrow. This series is brought to you by Technological University Dublin's Enterprise Academy. We create learning solutions to enable your business success. Want to find out how we can support your learning and development needs? Visit www.tudublin.ie forward slash enterprise-academy to book in a call with our team. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Future Talent podcast, where we tackle the big question of generative AI and try to gauge how these technologies are impacting higher education and businesses now and into the future. We hear how the new technology will certainly take the mundane routine jobs away from humans, which could be seen as a positive, so long as this time is given back to the employee to work on more creative, human-centered projects, such as product design innovations, and just more creative work in general. Indeed, I recently came across a good news story where IKEA retrained 8,500 call center advisors into interior design advisors when they realized their AI bot, Billy, could answer customer inquiries effectively and for much cheaper. So rather than letting these valuable employees go, they diverted them towards more customer focused, human centered activity on the shop floor. As I think about this AI discussion, I am reminded of old TV footage from the 1970s, where news reports showcased computers, the new technology of that age, and questioned whether this computer device would be the ruination of societies and civilization. While it is amusing to look back on these black and white TV interviews 50 years on, here we are in the same scenario, trying to predict just how generative AI is going to change our lives as we know it today. You will hear TU Dublin's Enterprise Academy Manager, Kat English, lead this panel discussion and introduce her guests from both industry and academia. As I listen to their conversations and realise the uncharted territories we are entering, more than ever, I can see the need for industry and educators to work together to think deeply, act responsibly, and collaborate to leverage this technology for the greater good of humanity.
1: So there's, there's so much content on this topic. Um, there's a podcast or a news article every time, everywhere you turn on AI. Um, I wanted to kind of focus today's discussion discussion on um, what the Enterprise Academy is trying to do, which is to really um, you know, bring together TU Dublin and organizations of all sizes um, to prepare the workforce um, for the rapid changes. Um, so I'm very pleased to be joined um, by people who are on the front lines of this evolution. Um, and I'll let you all introduce yourself sure. res- um, um, respectively, but um, so, uh, Dr. Amy Awad, um, who is a senior AI consultant at EY, Um, Dr. Robert Ross, Senior Lecturer at the School of Computer Science at TU Dublin and actually an investigator with the the Science Foundation Ireland ADAPT Centre and Barbara Whelan, Head of Education um, at Microsoft. So uh, I suppose just to start, I wanted to kind of... Everyone's generally familiar with AI, but I wanted to just kind of set the the table, so to speak. Um, Robert, people talk kind of broadly about AI. Generative AI is the kind of flavour of the moment, but there's also kind of AGI. Um, artificial general intelligence. I wonder if you can kind of just um, tell us, kind of emphasize what we're talking about right now when we're talking about AI and and specifically in relation to skills.
2: Sure. So AI, funnily enough, is a term we've been using for systems that many of us have working in our pockets for years. But as you said, the the big interest at the moment is really about that key generative AI area, which is simply referring to systems that can essentially generate content, generative. Um, and that content, it can be the text, it can be images, as, as our friends at Microsoft and OpenAI will point out, it's it's video content as well, animations. Anything that you can imagine can be developed by a what you or I might call a creative, can in theory be created. From a ChatGPT-style system. Now, actually, there are these things called lang- large language models. We don't need to get into that in too much detail, but the key point is that that that's really what we're talking about in terms of the big game-changing technologies at the minute. You will see other terms being passed around, like AGI, and and uh, you know, and these do relate often to more general intelligences that are able to pull together a couple of different, in our terminology, thought processes or, or source, sources of information to go further than maybe what can be done in what people classically think the large language models can do. But really it, it does boil down to this generative stuff. So I think that the big tools that people are looking at at the moment are ChatGPT and the models associated with it but of course even a year ago we had something like the you know the economist magazine doing examples about image generation content and is this the end of the the artist is this the end of the content producer who's working in images but what we're really seeing now is that all of these technologies are beginning to impact industries right across the board. People are looking at this and seeing how this is actually going to impact what they do. If you're working as a creative, obviously you know th- there's big impact scene and I think issues like the, the Writers Guild strike in America are, are very interesting points to consider at the moment. But then even into what we might call classic office type environments, there are big impacts. Our, our friends in Microsoft, and I support this, um, will be very happy to sell us co-pilot-enabled versions of Office in the future that translate from documents right through to a PowerPoint presentation automatically created. That's generative AI. Personally, I welcome that because I'm sick of students submitting awful presentations to me. Um, And and it will make our office life that little bit easier. Um, But there are going to be impacts, and I think, even the current raft of generative AI that we're looking at will provide enough impact and disruption over the next five years that we don't even need to jump forward to the next few generations of systems yet mm-hmm. um, to be concerned by them. You, you know, We have to actually pay attention to what's there already.
1: Great, Um, thank you, (laughs) just an explanation for me. Um, So, you know, AI has been around for a long time. It broadly became available through kind of the release of of ChatGPT in kind of November thereabouts last year. Um, which, you know, revolutionized a lot of, a lot of people's worlds. Um, and, and since then, we've kind of gone through three stages. So the first stage, we all played around with it. The second stage, we kind of tried to break it. And now we're really kind of getting into application. Um, so some people are still trying to break it, but that's okay. Um, so I'd love to have, ask all of you if you had kind of a moment where, you know, you were really surprised and amazed by what you got back from the technology, particularly in terms of as a tool for learning. And Amy, if I will
3: go with you first. Uh, yeah, the first time I tried it, I think I played with it, just trying to mess with it, asking like weird question, like what do you think about God or whatever. Uh, and the way that it answered, it really shows that it's been trained by enormous amount of data. So it will reference stuff that you wouldn't even know of, books that you wouldn't think of, of looking at. So we always thought that, okay, this is a resource. This is gonna save me so much time. If I wanna ask any random question, uh, it can give me all these references and save me hours or days or even like months. And according to Forbes, uh, that the the whole generative AI movement will save up to 40% mm-hmm. uh, for you know enterprises. And that's time back to us, for us to save uh, time for product development, design, and whatever it is. And that, for me, is huge because we can focus on the most important kind of work, uh, the creative work, what human can do and the AI cannot do. But uh, from my opinion, I've always been an AI advocate as an AI consultant, and I always believe that it's our ally. It can augment us and make us capable of great things. And it's all about how to you use it. So AI is not bad. It's bad or good is people, Mm. you know, and it's all about how you apply it and how you use it. Uh, And it's something that I don't think we can fight anymore. It's happening, so we better get on board, but uh, always be cautious. uh, And there's a matter of urgency to get on board with generative AI and it, it is the future. It's just a matter how we're gonna use it, I guess.
4: Thank you. Um, Barbara, and Yeah, and I think that's it. I think it is out there, it is being used. I think it's a key focus on leadership. Like for myself, my learning is how this has impacted my day-to-day, you know, the, those tasks, it's coming. And as you said, like Microsoft will be introducing this into their productivity suite. That's gonna be a focus. The way we work is gonna change. Like we're, we're piloting it within Microsoft you know, we did an intelligent recap of a Teams meeting and I had to say, wow, right. It just summarized everything. It had the sentiment, you know, the key points and everyone in the meeting went, this will probably change how we interact in meetings. And I think that was the biggest feedback. But I think, you know, to your point, I think leadership is really key here because it is there you know, every industry is going to be impacted slightly and, you know, not to jump ahead in the conversation, but leadership and how this is going to be approached because, you know, if you look all over TikTok, it's all over, students are sharing it. Like if you look at the figures, ChatGPT got to 100 million users within two months. Like that's, they're scary statistics, Mm -hmm. yeah, but, I think it's, it's adapting it, it's, it's a good thing, but you need to have the guardrails in place and you need to, to really look at each industry and what the benefit's gonna be to that.
1: I'll I'll let you um, respond to the anything exciting or anything that you've learned.
2: No, I'll answer sort of the original formulation. When was the time or what was it that I looked at and went, wow, this this is a game changer. And I can give a very clear answer on that. I was working with a student back in about November, December last year, and this student, very diligent, great student was working away on their fourth year project and a large part of the fourth year project and forgive me science is coming uh, but not computer science chemistry uh, was he was trying to develop a tool for chemists where the chemists and forgive me I haven't done chemistry since I was in junior search but they, they would be able to give their chemical equation and it would was able he was developing a system that would be able to calculate the reductions of this chemical equation and what would happen and, and then formulate what the, the the, the resultant chemical might look like, etc. was building this big system to do it. And we had lots of questions about how best to deal with it. You know, how should he create this? And then in the middle of the conversation, I said, you know what? Why don't we just see what ChatGPT will give us if we sat down to ask it the same set of questions? And there he gave me a couple of examples, uh, not trivial ones by any means, right, so complex, equations, so he gave me the, the chemical equations and we typed them in and say, so what happens if I combine this with this? And, and I, you know, just putting in the chemical equation, then bang. It gives the response. So this is the chemical formulation of this. It will be reduced to this with a heat reduction of this, that, and the other, going through the whole thing with this beautiful, glorious explanation. It could have had errors. We'll come back to that point later, right? But but all extremely plausible. Um, and then you know we typed in straight after. And and can you give me like JavaScript, you know, computer code to visualise this? Bang! The computer code to visualise it was produced. That to me was a, a game changer moment where you realize that all of this work that this student was putting in to do for their project and in many companies as well suddenly to a great extent becomes redundant or or easy to build a basic prototype for using the technology and that to me was a absolutely a wow moment that's fantastic
1: yeah i mean i for one will welcome the the minute taking of, yeah. <laughs> of meetings yeah. especially yeah. after a couple of years of online meetings um so barbara i suppose just to get more into what microsoft is is doing mm-hmm. at the moment um with so a, a massive investment in in open ai um it's obviously one of the biggest players um can you talk about what you're working on how this kind of might impact um you know this technology might impact kind of skills
4: and, and the workplace um and, and yeah. learning. So look, and I think we, we spoke about it, right? So Microsoft have invested heavily in OpenAI. So I think we just announced our third phase of partnership. You know, multi-billion, multi-year investment, right? And the shared ambition is develop cutting-edge. AI technology but also democratize AI as a platform and I think mm. for ourselves what we're trying to do in Microsoft is take the OpenAI technology, technology, bring it into our platform so you'll see it coming in to you know Office 365 into that productivity, how you do your day to day job, mm. into CRM, Dynamics, you know workflow. So trying to see where there is um, processes that can be improved by this AI technology. So what you'll see, and you'll see new skills coming in, or new jobs coming in to start to manage that, right? And we have within Microsoft already, we've roles there. I started Microsoft eight years ago. We've roles there that never existed you know, when I started, you know, there's gonna be a whole new era of roles come out. And I think I actually attended a, an event you were at last week. Four teachers got up, mm-hmm. you know, from rural schools who are using ChatGPT and they had various levels. And one guy really impressed me cause his prompts were amazing. So he had gone, give me a, a lesson plan for 11 year olds in this area using resources you could buy in a supermarket and it gave him exactly what he needed. And it just showed that prompt skill. So it's understanding, you don't have to know the deep layer of the technology, but how you talk to the technology and how you begin to get that back. And even from that day-to-day, you know how you actually ask that question on your day-to-day job, what summary, what key points do you need to know from a meeting, it's gonna be important to do that. But I do see a change of work from an end user point of view, but then also a big thing that we see is, and I think it was touched upon before, that knowledge management, Mm -hmm. and especially in public sector, right, where you have vast amounts of people with that tacit knowledge, you know, and it's an ask that's coming to us is, how do we extract that, and how do we start to serve and self-serve knowledge to our community? So to our lecturers, to our staff, to industry coming in? How do we make those digital touch points easier? And this has been an ongoing conversation for a while, but with Gen.AI now, you have a a speed to access. So, but the first thing that we have to talk about is the data. You need coherent data in the background, you know, that that you can actually start to leverage. So that's the first thing we're starting to to work on. I think the two things that we see, one, from an end user point of view, the way of work is gonna change, and I think you touched upon it, each industry is gonna be impacted slightly differently, and I think, again, that's up to leadership to really drive in each industry. How are we going to embrace it? I don't think, and I I think Claire we use the expression, the genies out of the bottle can't be put back in, right? So it's really, it's not a time to put the head in the stand, but it's to understand here's the real pros of what this can do, put the right guardrails in place. And I think from a Microsoft point of view, like responsible AI is at the core of what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to develop, you know, to make sure it's, you know, inclusive, the safety elements to it, right? You know, have those guardrails in place. And I think each industry will need to look at that for themselves to go, how do we maximize it?
1: Yeah, agreed, and, and actually that leads me nicely into, into your question I have for you, Amy, in terms of um, you know, which sectors it is impacting, which areas of work it's impacting, and how companies can kind of start to safely experiment it, uh, with it. What are you seeing from some of your clients?
3: Definitely, that's uh, quite a trend, especially with our clients just coming to us, how can we use it? It's, it's here, we wanna leverage it, but we don't know how, especially when it comes to privacy and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Private information and their, uh, you know, data. Overall, it can be tricky. So uh, most of our clients have, as usual, have an enormous amount of data, and they want to mine it. They mm-hmm. want to leverage it. They want to get the best kind of insight out of it. Generative AI, I think, the major benefit of it that it's not just the automation part of it, but it's the interaction with it. So you can mm-hmm. just ask it, "Hey, give me." analysis of the last 10 years and and what should I target next. You can just like talk to it like you're talking to an expert. Uh, But the difference is uh, you can, with your questions, you can get different results based on what you're asking. So you need to be very, um, I would say not trained, but highly skilled in that. It's like um, being fluent in Java myself. I know how to talk Java. So I can leverage it in a way and manipulate it to get exactly what I want. The next kind of generation, they need to acquire the skill of um, interacting with AI, which is prompt engineering, uh, as you said, and that's going to be a big thing because they will have this expertise and building that intuition of knowing exactly how to interact with that engine and get the best results. So I can see it happening, having like later in the future prompt engineers, you know?
4: Or I heard at an event recently, Chief Robot Whisperer.
3: Yeah, so so it's happening. (laughs) Of course in the US,
1: yeah, that's a good
4: title to have. But
3: I think the sectors that are very keen on it are manufacturing and pharmacy because they have been using it to speed up the uh, product uh, design phase. Uh, When it comes to pharmacy, they've been using it in terms of uh, the medicine itself, how to design it, when to go to market, how to save time, uh, in terms of you know pricing and everything, so they're saving a large amount of money in the pharmaceutical industry. Also with um, uh, manufacturing, in terms of design, like design is amazing when it comes to generative AI, the, the things that it can develop on on a click of a button. Uh, So that can save time as well for uh, manufacturing. Uh, And of course, you know, the the client facing, which is, uh, you know, like telecoms and uh, the interaction can be much more uh, tailored and personalized, not like, you know, the the bots that are very annoying. You know, when you call Mm -hmm. them and Mm -hmm. you get really frustrated now with generative AI, it can interact in the way that you're talking to JGBT. So it's back and forth. Kind of communication uh, and personalized and more humane, so it's not frustrating as much. Mm-hmm. So we can see it there. It, it can be applied across, you know, the board, marketing, generating content. Um, and, you know, the potential of this technology is, is amazing. It's just we need to be on top of it in terms of sustainability policy, and you know, EU just started the. Uh, uh, launching the um, lately the policy yeah, yeah. Uh, and th- that needs to change with chat GBT coming along now that's a whole different ballgame so I know that it's going really fast so we do need to slow down so the policies policymakers can catch up and make sure that everything is in place uh, but uh, other than slowing down we need to all collaboratively be on top of things in terms of what's my responsibility as a user? Now I'm using ChatGPT, I'm sharing a lot of information. What kind of information I'm sharing, like there's a lot of do's and don'ts, so look that up in terms of you know sharing private information, like even when it's at work, when you're at work, are you sharing like client information, IPs, uh, just being on top of that, and I think training would be great for all our employees to get on boards, like here's the do's and don'ts, uh, use it to augment your skill because whatever you're going to do, you're going to do it better. Just like with your student, with the, uh, uh, Peter, the, the um, kind of uh, mathematics or the equations, how long that would take if a person just did that. You know, you can ask him to do it, generate the code for me. That's great. So I think there's always pros and cons. It's just educating ourselves very quickly because it's going really, really fast and we need to catch
1: up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that leads me to kind of question for you, Robert, is, is and, and I'd open it broadly to you guys as well, um, but the, there are obviously dedicated teams working within, uh, on AI within companies, but kind of given the breadth of impact, um, you know, how should companies be thinking about their kind of broader training of, of everybody, because this impacts everyone across yeah. the organisation, specifically in terms of kind of prompting and, and, and different mm-hmm. functions. So, Robert, what questions are you getting from organisations, and, you know, what, what is the kind of role of universities? What's the potential of universities here? And, and is there anything yeah. you're kind of working on within TU Dublin there?
2: Yeah, yeah, and I'll preface this by just explaining about one of the other hats I wear, as well as being a, an academic within TU Dublin. I'm sort of the academic lead of industry engagement within this big SFI Adapt Center, which um, uh, is run across the country. Lots of people involved, blah, blah, blah. But in that role, I interact with an awful lot of companies from the the very biggest right down into SMEs and even with startups as well. So I'm getting through those channels and through the university channels directly as well. An awful lot of time uh, face to face with companies coming in from various different sectors and at different sizes and frankly there is a, a heck of a lot of FOMO out there, fear of missing out. So in the case of large organizations, you know, it makes sense that they'd be talking to the Microsofts, the EYs, etc., trying to figure out how this fits into HSE policy, etc. right? That makes a lot of sense. But even right down into much smaller organizations, we are genuinely seeing a very strong appetite in terms of companies wanting to understand how they should be thinking about leveraging this. And many individuals within the organization coming up with ideas and saying, does this make sense? Should we be doing this? Or or what are the limitations with it? So I I think where there is an appetite is, as we've mentioned, general education and training. That's one thing. Um, And coming to two of the points raised earlier, there is a big set of questions around the guardrails Mm -hmm. about how should we be thinking about deploying this and using this? What are the problems? What are the limitations? And it comes to the point about the the data leakage challenge. Companies are finally, I hope, beginning to become aware of of issues around data being leaked out of organisations by using, you know, what are effectively freeware versions of APIs that, you know, as anything in freeware, you're giving something to get something for free. Um, uh, And, you know, slowly that's beginning to seep in, but we need to do a much better job as a community, as a country, um, to make sure that companies are aware of that challenge. And if you'll forgive me, I I just love this anecdote so much, and it it is just one story, but it really captures it. some of you may have read this or seen something like it, but a couple of weeks ago, um, and this comes, actually this is coming to the the second issue, which is about truth, you know, and how much can they trust the systems? So I'm coming into the second point here, which is um, about, did you hear about this lawyer who put together a brief using Mm -hmm. ChatGPT a few weeks ago and presented this brief to a judge? And this was in the States, and the judge absolutely went apoplectic. Because this case, this this piece of case law, uh, this piece of uh, a briefing that the lawyer put together and put in front of the judge, allegedly, though I, I've tried to double check the sources on this, was full of false pieces of case history things that just had never happened. And it looked perfectly fine, but yet, once the judge saw it, they were able to say, this is rubbish, and challenged the lawyer on it. And the, the hilarious bit for me is, the lawyer turning around and saying, huh, I didn't know it could make stuff up. And that's the, that's, so that's the other question where we're getting it from industry, which is okay, so we need the guardrails, but those guardrails include how much can or should we trust it? Now, OpenAI, and hence Microsoft, etc. Of course, newer versions are being designed to be more trustworthy, etc. But that's another place where the questions are coming. Um, and if you forgive me, one one third aspect is just the, the specific training around issues like prompts, how to use the systems effectively, how even to engage and get good results out, because. Issues that I'm aware of and I can train people of that, you know, there might just be one or two people in the audience who get this, but but how we do the prompts, do we give an example to the system and then say, do this task for me? Or do we just say, do this task for me? That makes a huge amount of difference in terms of how effective the systems work. So people are looking for examples and training of that. uh, Yeah. A few of the key points.
1: Great, and, and is there is there anything kind of that you we are working on within TU Dublin, you know, to prepare for this? I mean,
2: yeah, oh yeah. So certainly within our own courses and structures, we're we're developing in new. Well, you know, if we looked at first from the pure academic perspective and then sort of tear out, at the pure academic perspective, we've been already put together, already validated. Actually, new modules for next semester, introducing them into the masters immediately, which are covering. Uh, all of this in the context of natural language technology and generative AI, but then there's also this process of peeling those specific modules out as, sorry, terminology that I'm not allowed to use anymore, but I will learn the CPD type modules um, and turning them eventually into Mm micro-credentials and working maybe with the the team over here to make that happen. Uh, But then also as we tear up a, a large part of what we do even within the academic space, is working with companies of different sizes. And we have a couple of projects coming in where, you know, through some of our partners, companies want to play with these types of technologies in safe ways. And with respect to my my friends here on the the left today, they maybe are aware that if they go directly to a vendor or one of the big four, they will be presented with a particular view on it. So sometimes they come to us just looking for you know, maybe that cynical academic perspective on what might be good or not good. And we can say, no, it's fine. Trust Microsoft and EY, go over and have a chat with them.
1: Yeah. And anything from your perspective on kind of the role of universities or, you know, in, in helping um, to kind of prepare the workforce for this this evolution? Like,
4: think, I think it's that awareness, that training, like for, you know, to the point of that public versus private. Because, you know, you've open AI is democratised, it's public, it obviously is taking that information to train. You can opt out in, in some areas, but, you know, f- from our point of view, what we're trying to do is bring it into an enterprise setting, right? So you bring your data into a safe space. You are rationalising and validating your own data and how you present it back. That's a key learning, and I think, to that point of data leakage, I think it's, you know, For the workplace to be honest you know if you're looking at an undergrad now I honestly don't know what jobs gonna look like when they're exiting right so I think it is just as I said the genie is firmly out of the bottle so there's a need to keep up with this Um, I think what I say every time I give a talk on this no one has all the answers it's we're all learning, we're all moving. I think it's all about dialogue and understanding, um, but it is moving at pace. Um, and I think like from, from our view, like I've, I've spoken a lot about end user, but you know, I work in the education industry, you know, like yeah, learning and teaching and learning is one area, right? You know, personalized learning, personalized feedback, student engagement, that's a whole other area. Like some of the use case I spoke about That's an area we can kind of look at now, but that whole area is is a much larger discussion. But, you know, I do see a lot happening with third parties who were in that space before, who are now going hugely at pace. So I think it's, you know, having an awareness of what's out there, what's being presented, what is teaching and learning gonna look like, and then, as we move, you know, it's that that skill set is, is gonna be really key. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know if anyone has a crystal ball to say yeah. what, what does that we'll, look like. We'll
1: keep it as a topic on future, and yeah, tomorrow, I can, yeah. can't imagine it's not gonna be a, a yeah. panel at most of our coming events. Anything to add there, Amy? Or?
3: Yeah, I think following up on my two colleagues, the same thing is like we need to have these conversations and keep an open mind always. Uh, uh, companies like Microsoft and Google, and you know Amazon. Let's let's just talk. The academics, the skeptics. We need you guys. You know, we always need these mm. kind of collisions, and not shy away from these conversations because history shows us that whenever we avoid something or like go head to head, it always goes south. So let's talk. Let's do better this time, because GBT is not just ChatGBT, Generative AI is is the new form of, of AI. It's the new evolution. And if we don't talk and and share our concerns uh, in in a respectful manner, Mm -hmm. like no need for for aggression, because I know that a lot of people are just afraid of the technology itself and what it can bring. Uh, But how can we leverage it? How can we provide our clients with safe uh, services? For example, we're using OpenAI in one of our uh, offerings for document intelligence where people just put a bunch of load of documents and ask it, Hey, tell me, what's this document about? How can I summarize all the uh, last year, uh, for example, uh, you know, revenue? It's very, very helpful, and it's saving a lot of time. So uh, I see the benefit there, but still, like in terms of safety and stability and, and all of that, we're still not there yet. Uh, and I, it needs to be invested in. Uh, Experimenting in academia should be always encouraged, like young people just taking it and trying to break it. That's fine. It's That's where you find the loopholes and get it better. But I'm very excited
0: to see where this is going to go. So there you have it. Change is here and more rapid change is coming. We might like to put on the brakes or find a crystal ball, but given that neither of those two things will happen, what can we do? Three things I took away from our experts were one, Keep dialogue open. We need to share all concerns regarding the technology with all relevant stakeholders. Two, we need guardrails to ensure the safety of people and society, be it in the form of policies at government or organisation level. And three, leadership is critical. As we integrate generative AI into business processes, we need leaders who will act responsibly, honestly, and openly to ensure the race for power or profit does not supersede the need to protect people first. Thank you for listening and we will be back soon with another episode of the Future Talent Podcast.